What's up, everyone? This is the Go Long Podcast. We are live again at Fed Orchard Park, New York, where we hope to see you Wednesday night. We're going to have a pre-draft extravaganza, Jim. So we've done different uh, iterations of the extravaganza. We've—I <laughs> hope people out there remember the first one, the first, the first annual. If, if you can uh, call it that, was on mm, Zoom. We had about 25, 30 subscribers in there, and it didn't make the stream. It didn't make the Apple, Spotify, or GoLongTD.com after the fact. Because things were said, Jim, you, uh, you had a few pops in you, and you let loose on some stories that, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe they'll see the light of day on the podcast now. Maybe time has passed. Statue limitations on some of these stories. Right. So that was when I still think I was thinking about working in the NFL. And that was why <laughs> you said it's probably a good idea if we cut some of this and edit and or not post. And it will just make it for it. If you were there, you remember. You're right. If you know, you know. That was, those, the, Justin, that was the Justin Fields draft. It was the Justin Fields draft. Oh, yeah. Some thoughts on. I don't I don't. But I'll let you organically no, bring no, up no. stories. I'll Let's, let you. We can let it. Yeah, we we'll, can let it. Let, we'll it, let it die. We can't, let it die. Yeah. It's um, like trying to make another sequel. It's you can't. You can't recreate it. Well, how about this? How about this for a sales but, job? If yes. you come Wednesday, but this is new because we haven't done one like this. Exactly. Yeah. And then, so last year would have been our second year. Right. We did. I think we did like it's the normal podcast. Yeah, we did. We did. We no, that's we're, what I'm saying. We haven't been out and just talk football, right. analyze the picks live, tell <laughs> stories will be told. And I think it's good to do it the night before the draft. So yeah. Wednesday, the 26th, yeah. you know, six o'clock, seven o'clock, just come on down here to Fatty Beer. Uh, we were just hanging out with Chris DeCesare, Nick Fatty. They run the show. Yes. Great dudes. They'll be around. And I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you said it again tonight. You're going to buy everyone's first round? First round again. We'll Jim. have the tab going. Right. Things are good. Things are good. Florida Atlantic was still really like Florida Atlantic <laughs> on this podcast. Good tournament run, so let's enjoy it, have some fun. And it's restaurant week. Chris wanted us to talk about. Hell yeah, it's restaurant week. So, so go to Fatty site. Get on into Fatty. 25 bucks gets you a hell of a lot. So the sandwiches, the beers, yeah. all the fatty. Yeah, those fatty patties. I mean, it's just part the of Nick it. Filet, one could say, <laughs> hits the spot. And I don't I'm drinking I'm, I'm going sour because we had some good weather. You know, 48 hours ago it was 85 degrees. Now it's, you know, 35 degrees. And that's really not an exaggeration. So I'm still in 85 degree mode drinking a sour, a Warhead beer. I didn't know they made Warhead beers. Name is is strong. Name is strong. Cheers, Jim. Cheers. Um, So today, all right, we're trying to figure out what we want to get into. You know, we had a heated discussion, debate. It's... We have to disagree sparked, more on this sparked, podcast. We really do. Some good, it sparked some good debates. Well, you know, you're too nice of a guy. So if I say something that pisses you off, Jim, or is off base, I want you to give me the business. Check me into the boards. But Come what? on, let's 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 drop the gloves once in a while. That's what sells. What the debate was was you feel like somebody should take a chance on Anthony Richardson. I do. Yeah, and I just my thing is. I'm like, hell no. Like, but other than that, you could be right. <laughs> I mean, I've been in that position where I've said hell no before and was wrong. It happens. You miss picks. Do you want to say when? Oh. 
I mean, we, we hit on a lot of picks too, but you do miss on picks. Okay. That's why, like, I'm not afraid to be wrong. You aren't. You're just honest. like, yeah, and you saying you're honest, Dave. You, yeah, just come out with and say, yeah, I don't see it. It wouldn't be for me. I don't know if it's my maturity now as a NFL. You know, over the years, where I always think back on that. If I was a young scout, would I've been like, Anthony Richardson? This he'll change the game. You'll never see anything like it. Then you're in a position like. You know, I was in Buffalo when you are making the decisions. Oh, man, you don't those headache or those projections and those. Oh, it's going to get better. It can improve. It can do this. It can do that. It's OK. Even though he's never done anything in college, it's OK. Not for me anymore. Like I said, I don't know if it's my age now, but hey, I'm, let somebody else be the hero on that one. So you're telling me that in that draft room, there are coaches, scouts, personnel men who like to you know, throw their proverbial stones onto the table and say, here's where I stand. You always have to. Ego in pro football? Who would have thought? Yeah, right, right. It it starts with scouts. Every scout's going to do it. Every director's going to do it. GM, everybody's going to have. By the time the draft comes around, when every guy gets picked, everybody can look around the room and say, oh, that was your guy. Yeah. You didn't like him. You know, everybody is getting. That's important, though. Oh, yeah. I feel like, you know, there needs to be accountability. Oh, like I, I give oh, the scouts, oh, oh, the scouts who stand for a guy, I give them all the credit in the world. Tyler, instead of those who hedge and you know are rewriting history after the fact. Listen, you can do, you can grade every player as a scout in the third and fourth round and hedge your way through life, right on that fence. Yeah, not make any kind of, you know, what I mean, coaches used to always joke. Uh, Joe Vitt for the Saints would always say, "Yeah, great." You know. You guys are like, oh, yeah, third, fourth round. You know, he just needs a little coaching. You know, like, he's, you know, he's going to get right, better. He just right. needs a little coaching. And the coach is like, yeah, how about the guy that is ready to play? Like, you know, so it, that's the always the debates with coaches and scouts. I mean, you were in – you scouted Jimmy Graham down oh. there in the southeast where when I, Sean Payton and the Saints and you all, you drafted Jimmy Graham one round before everybody else. I mean, Bill Parcells wanted him in Miami. Bill Belichick probably would have taken him in New England the same year that took Rob Gronkowski mm-hmm. instead of Aaron Hernandez. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ravens, Jimmy told me he thought he was going to the Ravens. They gave him the playbook. Um, who was the coordinator? Um, Cam, Cam Cameron. Cameron. So he put him through a workout and it was such a hard workout. Cam Cameron, like how he like broke his leg. He suffered this really bad injury. And Jimmy's like, I'm going there. They gave me the playbook. I know where their offense, they were sure they were going to get him. And it took the saints, you doing the work on the ground. You're the area scout that. You know, you're there watching Jimmy Graham, the one year of college football he played after this basketball career. And then Sean Payton to say, no, we're going to take him to the third. We're not going to wait to the fourth. I mean, and it was, he, that was <clears throat> coach Sean Payton could do that. He did it with Mark Ingram. I mean, we took Cam Jordan. As scouts, we thought the day was over in New Orleans. <laughs> and then all of a sudden sitting there and, I see. You see, here's what you do as an area scout. You're sitting back and you see the decision makers at the table. All of a sudden, the phones start picking up. Hey, can you call that? Do you call it? So all of a sudden, everybody that has a connection on the teams before you. Everybody starts calling, and you're like, "Oh, here we go." You know, the, the decision makers came back in the room, and it was for, for Mark Ingram. But I was the area scout for Mark Ingram for the Saints, and he was not that that was some big find or anything. It was more that oh, it's always fun when he it's from your area, and and you were excited about that they agreed that he was worthy of that so it's exciting those are fun those are the fun stories now i will tell you 
where really good content would have been filmed is are after the drafts. We would sit around in those draft rooms as scouts and you have every team's draft right there, you know, the magnets under every team and you really, you go through it. Like everybody's mm-hmm. calling everybody out. Oh, are you surprised they took him? I don't know what they were thinking. Like at the end of the day, you know, you have it for that night and then you never really revisit that conversation to see who really was right or wrong. We were probably, you know, the guys criticizing everything and every, everybody's draft was not good. Your draft was great. I mean, it's, it's classic, but I remember when I was working on that series on the New York giants under Dave Gettleman and the ship basically, you know, crashing into an iceberg. Um, oh yeah. Got it one year ago. But there was one source who told me, yeah, they, there's somebody who's still there. He's not there anymore. Um, there's somebody who's still there who I wouldn't be surprised if he went back and, you know, scrubbed some of the grades on his cross. It's like, is that even possible? Like, can a guy go back in the system and be yeah, like, oh, actually, I didn't like this guy or actually I did like that guy kind of rewrite history, like internally in the system of a team? I think over time that has changed. But, yeah, I do think there were times when you could, certain people could go back and change. Survival. It's, it's about survival and trying to justify your existence. No question. It's, it's just like winning the press conference, winning draft day, great. That's winning a press conference means zero. Yeah. Zero. Zero. It's just like the head coach yeah. is going to blitz more than the last coach. It's going to be more aggressive than the last coach. This draft was, we always talk about it. It's the cliches, but zero. I can remember, uh, God, Johnny Manziel at the NFL Combine. So that would have been 2014. And that was I'm talking about Whaley and I were at his pro day. George Bush, the former president, was there. Really? Yes. W was there. It was, it was yeah, it was unbelievable. I don't even remember that. Mike Evans. I mean, his combine interview was a spectacle. Like they're always so when it was, I like I liked it when it was at the stadium at Luke Soil. So, you know, all the reporters, all the prospects were kind of jammed in a more, like, compact space. And there'd be a prospect who comes out to a podium. And you just kind of knew this dude is going to draw everybody. everybody. Everybody's going to fight for the elbow room, yeah, try no to get a question in. And Johnny Manziel, he owned that press conference. Go back and watch it. It's got to be out there. I mean, it was so clean, so <clears throat> decisive, precise. He sounded contrite. Like, he, he owned up to his... The, the errors in his past and his lifestyle. And I, I think everybody walked away in the media like, wow, that was impressive. Like, this is somebody who gets it. it he didn't get it. <laughs> he didn't change. No. If anything, it was 100 times worse in the NFL. And he probably wasn't that good anyways, but it didn't. he didn't help himself. I can tell you this is where area scouts – Area scouts weren't good. I, there could not have been. I can tell you this. The area scouts in Buffalo, I'll just speak for the, our area scouts when I was. Th- no. They were like, he won't change. He isn't good. They didn't like his talent. They didn't like his character. He was not even a thought for us. So we we were there. Good for, on your area scouts. They were, they, they were We were tied in. Pretty good. We had good area scouts. Bills. Do you remember who that was? Yeah, like it was guys like Sean Heinlein, Matt Hand. Um, they're, they're still, they're still scouting. I don't know if Matt's in the NFL. I think Matt's back. I think he's back in the NFL. Okay. Sean was back in Philly. I'm not sure. He might, oh, he's in Cleveland now, I think. But anyway, yeah, good scouts. Um, good guys, all that stuff. But yeah, the man's also, we were there for Mike Evans to see, you know, just to, cause yeah. he was, he's everything. I mean, he was everything you want. 
right? That was uh, that was the real story out of that Texas A&M Alabama game. It wasn't Manziel creating magic. Jump balls. It was Mike Evans still doing it? Still doing it. I wonder how much here. Tom Brady loves him. <laughs> to have a, a receiver that big, that plays big, big and plays big. You always have to always. We always say that. Like, don't just be big. Big and play big. Yeah. Um, he did all that. It's like talking. his pre-draft brawl he had on South Beach after he was at dinner here with us at uh, downtown at Buffalo Dude, Chop House. Oh, oh yeah, you can look that one up. But oh yeah, he jumped over a car. He almost got in a fight with our receivers coach Rob Moore. They were arguing at dinner. We talked about it at Chop House. It's been a while since we talked. Yeah, about but it on those the are the stories so that these you're, are the pre-draft Buffalo Chop House. Buffalo Chop House. Rob Moore's trying to you know give Mike Evans some advice on. You know relationships as you become an NFL receiver and what's going to happen in your life and they just had some disagreements on things and um, got a little heated. Jarek McKinnon, Georgia Southern, was across, we were across the table sitting. He was saying that he was on the visit as well. Couldn't have been more calm. <laughs> he handled it great. We just kept talking. You know he was great. We're like yeah they're they're arguing whatever. They were arguing like they knew each other like brothers. And that was that the first time that they had actually yeah. met too. That's, those are the That's those are the, awesome. those are the supposed to be when the players and coaches are getting to know each other and, and impress each other. And Rob, they were having when I say they were, it wasn't like nothing was going to happen, but they were definitely disagreeing. Um, I do like I do like the, uh, but those visits were always I tell you those those were always really helpful. The willingness though of Mike for Mike Evans to be that comfortable in himself, he was so to stand up for what he believes he, in, and that's why. You know, he's not there to kiss ass. He's not there to tell you what you want to hear. No, and it was like, I think it was like a week or two later, he got, in, you know, it comes out, he was on, in some fight in South Beach. And we're like, yeah, didn't care. Yeah. Didn't, didn't, you know what I mean? Who cares? I mean, it all comes, everything comes back to Seinfeld, but it just reminds me of the it, George Costanza when he was ahead. interviewing for the Yankees. Yes. And he, go, he tells Steinbrenner. And just told him oh. everything, <laughs> laid it right out. And he's ran the franchise into the right ground. Out. He's made it a disgrace. And he says, you're hired. I love it. Opposite George. And it changed everything. <laughs> what was the, um, oh, that you can say, maybe you don't want to say, like the best and the worst mm. uh, first impressions mm. with a draft prospect? You know, whether it's that 15-minute speech. Worst, at the worst I know. Worst I know. Worst I know. Can we? It, Joe Mixon, Buffalo Bills. Visit, it, no. Didn't go well. Wasn't going to happen. Sean McDermott, not a great, not a great visit for Joe Mixon. Didn't necessarily know who the head coach was when he met him. That's right. He didn't know who yeah, Sean we'll was. Talk about it a little bit. Yeah. That, that's a bad, so bad. That's he, just bad. So Joe That like, one was not good. What did he say? Like, what do you do here? Or who are you? Basically, like just, you know, and you are like, you know, like, yeah. I I gotta get the de- actual details yeah. how he asked that. But yes, that was the gist of the story. Um it's probably not gonna get drafted. That's yeah. a good one, like a good first impression. Oh, I can tell you a bad first impression. Let's hear it. Junior Gallette had a bad first impression. Um, defensive end from Stillman, um, who everybody of the Saints, I was the area scout who probably talked about this on the show, but he was one of my, you know, we loved him, pass rusher, had a story to him, long background. Uh, left Temple on some issues. So we get him as an undrafted free agent. Perfect. First mini camp, he almost takes out Chase Daniels' knee. 
Now, when I first told this story, I think I mentioned, said it was Drew Brees, but it was right. not. It right. was Chase Daniel. I want to make sure I tell it correctly because that's where the story goes to Greg Williams. <laughs> because Greg Williams explained when that play happened, when they were watching the tape the next day to Junior Gallette, that if you ever do that yeah. to Drew Brees, I will have an apple and a roadmap for you. An apple to keep you fed and a roadmap to find your way home. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else agreed in the defensive room. God dang it, we got to get Greg on the show. Yeah. He, would, he, he, he may or may not remember it, but I can remember it so vividly that he may. Because for him, for Greg Williams, that may happen daily, where he is telling the defensive end, you know, do not touch the quarterback. The I mean, starting quarterback so many team. favorite interviews for blood and guts, but that, that one is, is up there. Just chat with Greg Williams about, you know, the level of quote unquote nuts, nuts. that a slot slot corner needs to tackle a tight end. So, all right, let's kind of go that direction then in terms of red flags and you, every, every GM, every scout. I mean, if you're a scout, you're basically, you know, a private investigator trying to figure out the the level of character any prospect has. I mean, you're probably talking to teammates, to coaches, to professors, to people on campus. You're doing everything you can to get the truth, everything. you know, and see how somebody's wired because the game is so mental. Like you said, you know, last week, everybody's talented at this level. So much of it is mental. And it just, it takes, so, yeah, it separates you. I mean, the, there, there's so much pressure in this game where, I mean, your livelihood is literally at stake every practice, every game. There's somebody always there to take your job. How does that weigh on somebody? I mean, Sammy Watkins was so open about all of that and how much it weighed on him when it looks like he's a bust and he's suffering all these injuries. So there's so much that goes into it. Uh, but we want to get into Jalen Carter here in a minute because that's obviously the topic of conversation now. And, and this is somebody when Chicago had the first pick, you're wondering if he's going to be the first overall pick. Then you got Drew Rosenhaus's agent saying, you know, they no interviews with anybody outside of the top ten. Which, real quick, quick, quick oh. story. I'm going to pull up Bob's report on Jalen Carter. So obviously, Jalen Carter had his off the field issue that we all yeah. kind of know by now and let me make sure I get the right file up here he just has so because he has endless right endless content of- so this would have been a week before the combine Seriously. is yeah police in Athens Georgia booked Carter on misdemeanor charges of reckless driving and racing after an incident in January Carter initial this is from uh, Bob's initial top 55 a month ago at golongtd.com. And forgot to mention at the top, everybody subscribe. His <laughs> 39th annual draft series starts 39 Wednesday morning. <laughs> so right when you're listening to this, probably it's unbelievable. He'll have just a ton of intel on all prospects. But this is also what Bob wrote earlier. Uh, Carter initially misled police who later concluded that he was racing his car at speeds of over 100 miles an hour before the car he was attempting to outdistance crashed, killing a Georgia staffer and one of his teammates. Two others were injured. Also in September, he was ticketed for driving 89 miles per hour in a 45-mile-per-hour zone that is very fast. Um, and we'll get into Bob's 
report and what the scouts had to say about Jalen Carter. But when that news broke, Jim, I don't, I never mentioned this to you. So I'm in Indianapolis at the combine. Yeah, that's right, you were there. And I was uh, waiting to meet with an agent uh, for a prospect for some, for a project I'm kind of working on down the road. And as I was waiting for him, I see Drew Rosenhaus in the lobby of this hotel, like pacing on the phone, which anybody who has seen Drew Rosenhaus anywhere, uh, oh, like you assume that's what he's doing. That, that's that's, like, right that's like his cliche movie, right? right? That's his natural state. It's this, it's, it's how it, it's, I'll is. say there's a little more, I like, I do respect and like, him. Oh, he fights for his clients. And, I really, really respect yeah, him. I mean, for what his job is. He's as good as it gets because he'll, he's going to do everything in his power to help you uh, get as much money as you possibly can get. But this was different. This was a sense of urgency, semi panic, semi what, what is like, this was different. It was brother Jason works with him as well. And they're kind of, there's a situation at hand. And then they were talking to somebody who I don't know, may or may not have been a family member. I'm not sure in the lobby. And then it was literally like Mm. four seconds later, it, it okay. you know, like you saw it broke. combusts on Twitter, right, right. and everybody knows what I just read there. So there's all of that with Jalen Carter, but there's also also this. So here's um, from from Bob McGinn's initial top 55. It's not pretty. Uh, so four four personnel men said Carter was a far better prospect than former teammate Devontae White. Da, 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 da. Um, doesn't play hard like Wyatt. That dude gave us all. Carter's motor runs hot and cold. He's disrupted, but not overly productive. He's a worrier for me. A lot of these Georgia dudes aren't as good individually as they were as a whole. Oh. Best. This is a third scout. Best player in the draft, but he's lazy. They put him on the treadmill damn near every day. He doesn't love football, doesn't love the weight room, horrible family background, not a leader. He's phenomenally talented. He's going to run like a deer. He's the epitome of star or bust. Another, so this is a fourth scout. He's one of the rare players down through the years that just totally dominated. He doesn't have big-time stats because he only played half the time. He can rush the passer. He's strong. He takes on two blockers and just tosses them aside. So that's about as boomer bust as it gets when you say somebody doesn't love football versus he can just take over a game. As you were an area scout, you're a director of personnel with the Bills. How do you navigate the Jalen Carter conundrum? They'll do. So those are Bob's, what he's getting. So these are are the scouts. Right. These are the scouts. Relationships. These aren't scouts. So that's the trigger. That's a trigger word. Doesn't love football. Treadmill. That means weight issues. That is a, you really should just move on. It's tempting. Okay, right? Because yeah. the size, speed, you're going to see all the workouts. You have to move on. Let somebody, I'll say it again, Anthony Richardson, let somebody else be the hero. I would let somebody else be the hero on Carter as well. Yep. I can't, Tyler, I keep saying it. I, you can't do it. I, you, yeah. It's a luxury. I guess it would be a luxury pick for a team. I, I just don't see how you could value that. How top 10 pick you have to love football you have to be productive you have to have done something and be ready to play right away so i uh that's a hard no like an easy hard no almost especially a defensive tackle especially if i hear teams are trading up 
trading up for players. And we could talk about trading up for players. That's a whole other thing. But you can't trade up for a guy that doesn't know football. That's like, that's a no. I mean, you don't even think about that. And I'm done with trading up anyway. If it's not for a quarterback you're going after, I don't think I would. I, I don't, I don't know. That's always the red flag is there's going to be, uh, there's going to be some players who but, have red flags and get into stuff off the field. And you've, you've got to kind of yeah, bat, I mean, you know, use your own moral compass as a team. No question. You know, I think where we are with like marijuana possession is no, different now than it was a decade ago when we're, well, we were talking about Janoris Jenkins. It's like we said, like, yeah. that was, I love that. Yeah. I love yeah. the revisits. So, I mean, something <laughs> like that yeah. versus his stuff is immaturity though. Immaturity. It's, it's like 40 miles over the speed it's limit. It's reckless. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, somebody died, obviously. It's, it's just, it's tough. Like so that coupled with the, is, is he going to, now you could also go back in time and think, well, people saying the same stuff about Warren Sapp, some of the all time greats where they, I, I don't know. I, I'd say no. Uh, I, I feel like some of these guys with red flags, they wouldn't say doesn't love football. I would, I was just, that's say. probably the difference, right? And, Maybe some of these guys got into stuff off the field, but it wasn't a matter of are they obsessed with the sport. Big difference. Obsessed. Everything. Love football. Love it. Those, Not, and that's we always then production equals tolerance. Yeah. The guys that love football produce. Warren Sapp, you're going to get away with some things. You can show up to practice how you want to show up. You can live how you want to live. Nobody can block you. Now, I want to bring up a player that we're both familiar with and in you know our, our, our own different worlds, you know, when I was covering the Bills at the Buffalo News, and you inherited him, he was drafted in 2011, and you know, when you when you took over as director personnel, Doug Whaley's right hand man, he was one of your best players, and you were going to pay one of your best players, Marcel Darius. So here's, I mean, maybe that's a comp for a Jalen Carter in terms of, I'm not talking the off-field stuff, yeah, but in terms of unbelievably talented, love of football, unbelievably a talented. large human being who throws other large human beings around like a rag doll, kind of ran hot and cold, right? There are and, so many factors for Marcel, so many factors. There are. And so the world that I know him from <clears> is just the, the feature story I did at Buffalo News where – Basically, everybody who's close to him has he, died. He, he had nobody. He shouldn't have I mean, made it. it. He shouldn't it, have made he it. He shouldn't have come close to the NFL. There you go. It's, it, it's insane what he's insane been through. Insane what he's been through. One after another. I mean, literally, when I wrote the story, I, like before <clears throat> the next offseason even began, he lost He lost like another mentor. It, Trust issue. It, it's just endless for him. And being, in, being around him, Honestly, it's one of those things where you could just see it like, wow, it's it's almost out of his control at this point. Like, he really – it's tough. He really had a tough support system, like lack of almost, um, for so many reasons. So to see a talent like that, Marcel – I think Marcel – I'm going to say I think he – I don't uh, – they would disagree. Eric would disagree. His off season, his off seasons weren't good enough to be to max out his. Who I consider, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody 
more talented, that size and speed. Is that right? New. I mean, you've been around this. No, I, I'm, I'm feeling pretty strong saying that. That side, that for that position, Aaron Donald was so small. Aaron, Marcel was 350 pounds, and he could move. Now in so college, quick. coming out, he was 330 when he was testing at 485, or whatever he ran at 330 pounds. It was like nothing. His change of directions, and we used to rewind it all the time, watch it, you know, in meetings. Yeah. You know, when he would be like, "Ooh, look at you know," that's you know, that's when you're just. Lucky to be. I'm guessing you weren't doing that after the uh, Kansas City game in 2015 when so, Rex had him dropping into coverage. You probably weren't rewinding that one. There, those questions. <laughs> Terry Pagula was asking this question. <laughs> um, but bottom line with him, yes, he, he probably he would probably tell you the same that he didn't max out his ability. Man, it was tough. He had a tough, tough battle. You know, so 2014 was a career year for him, right? I mean, he. The whole D line. I mean, Mario Williams, Kyle. It was Williams, pretty. Marcel Darts, that's funny. You nasty. visit that. that Win nine games was, with Kyle Orton. Um, there's a lot, a lot going right on that roster. So Rex Ryan comes in. We've talked about it a million times, obviously. Yep. But the change in the scheme. It's not necessarily point A to point B. Just go. It's more thinking. It's confusion. It's trying to create havoc with <clears throat> all these moving pieces to the point where. There's substitutions on and off the field, like right before the snap. It was it was a disaster with really good talent. So you know, that that kind of zapped Marcel's game. Like it zapped a lot of people's games on that defense. But also it was right when I can still remember being in Detroit at your exhibition I game, talking to Marcel, and he says he, he bashed you guys. He said they're treating me like I'm a dime a dozen. And he was he was pissed that he wasn't getting his contract. I wrote the story. Um, it kind of uh, went viral here in Buffalo. He got his contract. Um, imagine, I would imagine nope, it's something was, Terry wanted. I mean, Terry, <clears throat> he really looked after him too, right? You people will never know how much when I was with the Bills, the Pagulas, how much they cared mm-hmm. about players and reached out to the players had open phone, open door policy with those guys. I mean, they really were accessible and helpful. And and yeah, so the relationship was good there. Yeah, the the Marcel thing was pretty obvious. I mean, it was. That's the thing. It was, hey, right? It was a gamble. It's, but it was. You know what you're getting. You you know what you're doing. There wasn't a, I mean, I'm sure that there was some skepticism, some criticism. To me, it was a no-brainer, though. This is like your best. This is your best player. Your most talented player. You pay up. And he was producing. He was dominating. He was producing. He just needs to come out of that career. He was dominating. What I'm saying is like that combined with the scheme and all the chaos was kind of central to things careening the wrong direction. He loses another defensive coordinator. He loses another defensive line coach. You know, it's like – he he was he's been through a lot of coaches, yeah. you know. It, then that's how it starts to it's that whole nobody stable in his life. It's yeah. tough. And then is it a fit with Rex? Blah blah blah. But what a talent! And I, I think now we talk through that. They don't sound similar. Yeah, Carter and Marcel, like size wise. You're right. We're kind of talking our way through. I, this. I like that. Now that we said that, no, I, I would. Marcel did dominate in the NFL and yeah. you know, did dominate in college. And I do think he like I do think he loved football. I don't think he loved the, the what it took to max out your ability. Totally. The effort, the mental, the film, the workouts, the immerse yourself because he's like, why? 
I'm showing up. Nobody can block me anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, at some point it catches up with you. But, I, you know, you can see his side to it. Football was an escape for him. When you're oh. losing all of these loved ones and it's traumatic and you're you're wondering why and how and questioning your own existence. No I mean, it is for so many guys, but Marcel Darius especially – it provided a sanctuary. So I think that you're right. That's an important <laughs> distinction. I, I don't, I, I don't know Jalen Carter myself no, personally, but if this is the knock on him, if this is the red flag and Bob's going to have a lot more on this, this week, man, that's, that's, that's a scary, scary draft pick in the top five, let alone the top 10. <clears throat> I can almost think about this right now. Just based on everything we heard about Carter and what we know about Marcel, I feel good saying knowing Buddy Nix and Tom Modrak, who are running those drafts for Buffalo that took Marcel, they wouldn't take Carter with that hmm. resume. Those guys don't take guys that don't love football with the second pick of the draft. I don't. I that would be you my know, that would be my guess on that. If you could filibuster for me, Jim, yes. I, I'm okay, going to find Bob McGinn's. I want to see what the scouts said about Marcel. Marcel to yeah. see because to me, I mean, I scouted Marcel. And I will think about this. I'm going back. The love of football, I don't feel like was questioned. I think it was just the work ethic, the weight mm-hmm. gains, the up, the fluctuation, you know, the weight. Is he going to gain weight? How much does he care about? How hard does he live off the field? You know, it was tough getting, you wouldn't get a lot of bad things back then, Alabama. It's different now. Did you find stuff? It's loading. Okay. I, I thought you, I thought keep, you wanted keep, to keep stop. It so I was thinking, <laughs> no, I was thinking, but it wasn't. There, it was just that, if I can remember my stuff, but it was just that, that Marcel wasn't the, the all-in, in-shape program guy. Just that rare, rare talent. Yeah. Rare talent. It's – oh, man. That's, that's all I can remember as far as – or – and wait, I'm not going to just gloss over the, the off-the-field, the family background, the, you know, the hard life. I mean, that was known too. And this is why you Hard have- support system – You've got to investigate and like oh, you can't be paranoid because you no. do need you do need some bad eggs. Like you do need some players with a hard edge who have some shit to them that I mean look, you get in the playoffs and you're playing San Francisco, it's a nasty, violent game, you know, until you just completely eliminate blocking and talent or blocking and tackling. You as as George Kittle said, this game is about violently Moving the ball one direction, however you can do it. Yeah, I love it. So you're not going to do that with a bunch of choir boys. No, you're going to do it with some people who have a rap sheet, and you've got to figure out. It doesn't have. It's there's different ways. There's different ways to love football Mm -hmm. and be tough. You know, coming from different backgrounds, you can have. An Eric Wood background. Yeah. Okay. Like good, you know, good family support because, you know, does everything the right way. Eric Wood loves football. Incredibly tough. Maxed out. Right. Causation is not correlation. There's going to be yeah. some, it's some, some guys who had good guys family have, lives. Guys that have never family, love football. Never got attention right. in middle school. Right. The who guy, want to kick yes. somebody's ass. They, I, I, I get that. They You're love right. football. They're tough. It's like, it's crazy. To, it's just the backgrounds are crazy to your point. How you get a locker room, all that, everything you said was right. It's just go here. Yeah, you found. Oh man, this good. is great. This so is this good. is uh, 
as I said, Bob McGinn, 39th annual draft series, golongta.com, dropping today, Wednesday, as you're listening, or if you're on the live stream tomorrow. Um, so this is from 2011. So this would have been the 27th draft series. Marcel Darius was Bob McGinn's number one rated defensive tackle, obviously. Yep. Ahead of Nick Fairley. Yeah, Fairley, Fairley was about that Fairley was special athlete too. <laughs> 6'3", 3'19". So I'll just, I'll just read what Bob said yeah, and we'll talk yeah, about it. A third-year junior from Huffman, Alabama, quote, he's a combination of playmaking ability, athleticism, and explosiveness, Atlanta GM Thomas Dimitrov mm-hmm. said. He's a top-five pick that will impact the team greatly from day one. Uh, back to Bob here. His father, a Haitian immigrant, passed away when Darius was six. He's a big wrecking ball inside, said Dominic. Oh, so this is back to Mark Dominic. So yeah, this is what's great. Like mm-hmm. GMs were on the record talking about this. Know, stuff. Like, There's a little more paranoia <laughs> now. Like what? There shouldn't be. Like just talk. Let's just talk about these guys. Quote, one of the big bodies that knows how to get to the quarterback. He should be another one of those big dominating D tackles, kind of like John Henderson, Marcus Stroud, Albert Hainsworth played up and down the line for coach Nick Saban. Quote, he's the best five technique, the best three technique, and the best nose tackle, one scout said. <laughs> Now, you don't want him doing your taxes, but he's a hell of a football player, end quote. Started just 15 of 33 games, waiting his turn, as is generally the case at Alabama. Finished with 70 tackles, 24 loss, 11 sacks, and one, quote-unquote, big play. He's a power player, said Bill Polian. Think Richard Seymour. Freaking drafting Richard Seymour. I can pay Richard Seymour. When matched against Florida center Mike Pouncey, Darius, quote, Kicked his ass all day long, observed one scout. Added an AFC scout. He's the safest and best player in the draft. Oh. So a little different than Jalen Carter's rundown, right? I mean, yeah. it was an imperfect comparison that's all along. Remember, right? yeah. <laughs> so that's good. I mean, that's yeah. good to remember. At least my memory didn't go crazy on it. Um, that's cool. I like how you can pull that up, though. Yeah. Credit to the Journal Sentinel for archiving stuff. You know, It's good to be able to find that. I think that's it. I mean, you don't – to me – Hearing that somebody doesn't love football, um, love football that's that's football. worse than a lot of the stuff that you can get into off the field. It really is. Yeah, you almost have to think about moving on from a player. You could almost start it if you could start a scout could say, "Hey, before we get into this too much, this yeah. guy doesn't like football." Like, coach could say, "Hey, let's, let's keep moving," which is way more common than people think. Well, we that would happen in in a draft. I mean, that would be like maybe not for a first round type grade, but yeah. there could be a guy we're in the fourth or fifth round now. You know, when we're in our draft meetings, and you could say that to, hey, before we get into this guy, I'll start with he doesn't love football. He had this happen, this happened. The coaches don't say thank you. Let's keep him moving. Yep, no, duly noted. Hey, it's in here. Thank you. Let's keep him moving. Because there's without di- reading him as a player, you know, without getting into all the yeah. minutia, all the different degrees of love too. I'm sure if Eddie Lacy was sitting right here by us, he'd say that he loved football. That's same with Marcel. I'm, I'm saying with an Eddie Lacy, it yeah. was. If you, if you genuinely his... loved it, he wouldn't have let himself go physically like he Same did. Thing. He was one of the best running backs in the league Agreed. instantly. Agreed. And it lasted thing. two and a half years. Yeah, That's kind of why I, I love the A.J. Dillon pick. I mean, I, he when we talked shortly after he was drafted, he struck me as somebody who is going to be in that Things weight like room that. Yep. doing everything in his power like to remain this battering ram, right? That's, you've got to love it you know, all 12 months of the year, not just Sundays. Professional. That's the word professional. All right. Before we wrap up, we do have some comments, which is great uh, on the YouTube live stream here. So thanks everyone for chiming in. 
Uh, John Wayne, he asked, thoughts on Lucas Van Ness, Iowa, true first rounder or a sign of a weak draft class. So we haven't been grinding the film. I'll trust Bob and his legion of scouts on this one. But I mean, from what I've seen, what I've read, um, I mean, it seems like a good, safe, high motor, right? Somebody from Iowa, you got to say high motor, workmanlike. Lunch pail kind of guy. Safe high motor. I don't know. I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to talk on this one. So I. I can't. It seems know. like it'd be a good pick. Don't um, know who it is. But for, it, it does seem like there's not a lot of just bona fide game wreckers at that position in this draft versus previous years. Like last year, you had Kayvon Thibodeau, Trayvon Walker. But then, that sets his value. So it just pushes it. Up, you know, pushes him uh, up. That's what he's. I think that's what he's pointing Same. out. Yep. It happens. Um, oh, Colin. Met fat man, met fan man. I'm guessing this is Colin. He says, I got to sign off. I'm going to watch the replay. Have a great day. But P.S. A pet peeve to add to the list. So we do have to get back into the habit of noting the things uh, well, that took us off here. Not you. getting a thank you after holding the door for someone. I'm very, very glad that this was brought up. I'll let you go first. That's a good one. No, but you, we talked about it briefly, um, not on the pod, but. You brought it to the attention on the airplane about people giving the elbow if they're trying to get out before you. I have a problem with people getting on the airplane and aren't ready to, when they get to their row, to get their bag up and get in. You got to get your bag up and get in. It's not that hard to be prepared. You can't put your bag up and then open it to take out whatever it is you're trying to get out. That's got to be done beforehand. It causes a major traffic jam Mm -hmm. boarding a plane. When I think that can be avoided, I think that's simple. Not a major one, but certainly one that is not necessary. Just have a little courtesy. That's all. And I'm totally with Colin on this one too. I mean, if there's now the door if thing, you're, if you're holding the door, for door somebody, is a whole thing. That's they, ridiculous. If they don't say thank you, that's I, like that's almost right. I think you. Yeah, that's a, I think you shove them back <laughs> through, and then you take the door and you treat it like a blocking sled. Training camp, 90 degrees down in New Orleans, and you two-hand shove the door into their face. I think that's the only way. I mean, we've we've mentioned this on the podcast, but, you know, if you're driving through the neighborhood and, you know, you wave to somebody, if they if they, if they, 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 similar, if they similar, make eye contact similar, with you, right, and they, and they don't acknowledge you, if they're just kind of standing lack, lack of respect. Right, you're allowed to grand theft auto that person and just run them over. I mean, if I was president, I, if it was my administration, I would make that legal. Go back to the Greg Williams Apple on a roadmap for that person. Yes. Here you go. You can't say thank you. Here's an Apple roadmap. Find your way home. I don't need to ever talk so to you So you're not yet. just driving them over? Can no, I, I'm good on it. Just go. Don't ever need to see you again. But no, but under my administration, that's a lot of them. In fact, you'd be rewarded. You, you cannot. You would get, get the medal. You wouldn't honor. get arrested. Yeah. We need, we need some more of that. One thing I wanted to ask you, because we both have, you know, young kids this just hit me. So we, we did the uh, the Bluey show yep, at Shays, yep, which was yep. awesome. Sounds big Great Bluey show. Fan. Big Bluey fan. Ella, Sonny, loved it. Um, you know, Bluey's the one kid show that Solid. isn't just, you know, tolerable. It's, it's actually pretty good. It's funny. The dad is hilarious. The dad makes you feel like not a good dad because he's such a great dad. He puts up with so, so much nonsense. It's funny. I like it. You know, it's much better than Diana and Charlie's Color Form City and Blippy will never Bluey, make an appearance. Bluey's good. Bluey's good. Bluey is solid. Bluey's good. Bluey is solid. But uh, the Wiggles was on. Um, Sonny, you know, he, he does like the Wiggles a little bit. He's one and a half. 
And I want to, it just struck me, Jim, like there's a really fine line between being a really good dad, a loving, caring dad, and just losing your god dang mind. Because, <laughs> you know, like the Wiggles, I think growing up, you'd, you'd see it, you'd hear about it, you'd say, oh my God, that's so weird. Like who, who could ever watch that show? And then you start watching it and your kids enjoy it. And the next thing you know, you're like singing the songs at full value and you're dancing and you're shaking and you're moving and you're grooving and you're talking about the wiggle house and Emma's bows and all the jingles jangles that are on there. And then you're wondering, okay, am I, am I being a good dad? Am I losing my mind here? This is insane. You do anything for you. It's good dad. It's a line. Good dad. It's a line. Okay, good. That that makes me feel better because we were jamming out. Listen, I'm going to tell you, I don't care about, construction trucks, ambulances, <laughs> police cars, as far as like, I don't really care about them until now. Like that's our life right now. That's, that's, that's what he's into. He's into like all it. that. Yeah. And I'm into it too. So yeah, you can take him to a train, go to the fire station, take him to see a real fire truck. It's mind blowing. A lot of hidden gems, you know. Yeah, like they explore more downtown. Yeah, they bring oh, out yeah. they, they bring that's, out the fire trucks and stuff. That, and all that boats. that's that's where he's at. Right? So I'm, I guess what I'm saying is I'm glad I'm not in that the Wiggles thing. But well, number but one, I would be if he was into it. I'm with you, man. I'd be dancing and singing too. Did you ever do the thing with uh, with Walter? Did you ever just unplug the TV and say, "Oh, it's not working. TV's not working today." And just no, right? No, it's, sometimes you got to do it. Uh, why? Good little trick. <laughs> no, do too much TV. Right? There's a line there too. That is true. We got to get the gang together, man. We got to wreak some havoc. Let's do it. You know, it's, right. it's I know miserable we, and we got snowy teased. and we got cold teased. right now. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about what's going no. on. Nobody wants to hear us talk about the weather. No, no. You, you, you don't usually do that. No, let's not do it. All right. Thanks, everyone, for watching on the live stream and listening wherever, however. Go along com. Subscribe. Fatty. Restaurant week. West or In Wednesday, uh, 6 o'clock. Orchard Park location. First round. Get on in. Jim will buy your beer. First round. We'll have a a grand old time. Thanks, everyone. during the Shades of Summer sale July 28th through August 7th and get 35% off paints and stains with prices starting at $28.92. That means 35% off our most popular color family, blue. Psychologists have found it to be soothing and relaxing, which makes it especially great for bedrooms and bathrooms. And of course, get 35% off all of our other colors. Shop the sale online or visit your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams store. Click the banner to learn more. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details.